Welcome to another episode of the Ambry Podcast. Today, we are with Dr. Alice Kirby. Hi, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Nice to be here. <laughs> Wonderful. Dr. Alice Kirby is a doctor of physical therapy, health consultant, holistic health practitioner, and a somatic experiencing practitioner in training. She uses decades of experience and training to focus on the stress response from an autonomic nervous system and a physiological perspective. She helps our clients identify areas where they feel stuck, provides a well-regulated and supportive environment for them to begin gently touching past trauma or overwhelm and heal these states through presence and awareness of the body in the present moment. She specializes in working with sober and sober curious women who are seeking additional tools to manage stress, increase the sense of calm, and move forward in creating their lives. I'm very excited to talk to you today. Good. I'm excited to talk to you too. And I apologize. I'm just going to close this window. I, it gets a little loud. I <laughs> opened it up for a little air. All right, though. But yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I love talking about these things. I love talking about ways we can come back into our bodies and, you know, how that pertains to dealing with things like trauma and chronic stress, because it's such a, it's so prevalent in the culture and in the society. And, and I don't feel like we're ever really given tools to, to deal with it. And then we, you know, see the broader outcome of that, which is, you know, people that aren't happy and people that have a lot of these chronic, you know, health issues and chronic anxiety and people that are on a lot of medications and PTSD from, you know, multiple things. So, um, yeah, I love, I love the opportunity to come on and share some of, of what I found helpful for me and for the people that I work with. How did you find yourself in this practice? Um, I got uh, like, and, and as you read in my bio, I've had sort of a varied experience when I was in my, um, in my twenties, I did a lot of traveling and um, I learned from some different, I guess, alternative medicine practices or ancient medicine practices from some native American um, perspectives, some, some Buddhist cultures. And um, I did a lot of studying with Chinese medicine. And so I had this view of, I guess of what I thought it meant to be um, like to be a healthy person or to be a, a well-rounded person on the planet. And um, and then when I was 30, I decided to go back to school and pursued my doctorate in physical therapy and really took this Western medical approach um, to health and healing and musculoskeletal healing in particular with PT. But then the somatic experiencing piece, which is more recent for me, and really has taught me a lot about trauma, nervous system regulation, and working more with that autonomic nervous system around stress. That piece got introduced about three years ago uh, when I got sober, and I was I'd kind of hit a place where I really needed to make some pretty profound changes in my life, and I was lucky enough at that time to just kind of randomly be introduced to a therapist who happened to also be a somatic experiencing practitioner. And she started working with me. And um, I remember our first couple sessions was like, I had no clue about really being in my body at that point. And I was, you know, detoxing and dealing with kind of the side effects of a, of an alcohol addiction, but over time and really over not that much time and doing the somatic experiencing work with her, I started to notice how good I could really feel in my own body and for me, that was so pivotal for like maintaining sobriety, especially in early days, because um, it's difficult. You know, you're giving up a habit. I think with any sort of addictive behavior or chronic pattern, it's hard to initially shift your your physiology and your mindset to change. So this somatic experiencing work was really profound for me in that I could 
I could be present internally. And I, I had access to feeling really, really good in ways that I hadn't had access to, you know, for years, maybe since I was a small child of this sense of like, wow, you know, like I'm alive and, and life is happening and I'm okay in here and I could, I could be present. And so after working with her for about a year, we had a lot of conversations about it and, and she was like, why don't you just go do the training? Cause clearly this is something you're really passionate about and you seem to have kind of a, not a knack for it, but I was able to really understand like what it meant to be in my body. So I started, there's a three-year training program through the Somatic Experiencing Trauma Institute. It's based on the work of Dr. Peter Levine. He invented this modality and created it and um, started it back, I think in the, in the mid seventies. And so there's a, this whole institute of people dedicated to this work. So I'm in year two of the three-year tra training program for the somatic experiencing, which for me personally has pulled a lot of my work together. And it's really given me a bridge from some of the, the experiences and the work that I did back when I was younger and, and you know pulling from these different cultures or different principles and some of the Chinese medicine piece and, and the Qigong and kind of the flow state and working with energy and then also to have like a nice container for the Western medicine as well. So it's been, uh, it's been a wonderful journey. I love, I love the work so much because it, it works and it helps on a level that I think, again, we really all need. Can you walk us through and, and help explain what a somatic experiencing is? Oh, I'll try. <laughs> I, still, I still don't know if I'm great at explaining it. Um, and I, I did an episode on my own podcast with uh, Dr. Abby Blakesley, who's who's uh, my teacher. And I asked her the same question and she gives quite a long explanation, which I love that she, being, having been involved in the work for so long, still she does a long explanation. So if my explanation is not satisfactory, please go check out Dr. Abby Blakesley um, on that podcast episode. So essentially it's a, a modality that works with trauma and chronic stress. And it's what's known as a bottom-up modality or a bottom-up therapy, because instead of working with the conscious mind and the neocortex and understanding things, from this sort of conscious brain perspective, we're working with what's been stored in the in the body and in the physiology, which is essentially just like our muscle, um, our muscle and our tissues and our our physical form, and then what's been stored in the nervous system. So, what Dr. Peter Levine found when he was developing this work is that some of these traumatic patterns, uh, which can also be very true with chronic stress, will, will chronic stress will get actually stuck in the nervous system or stuck in the physiology. And so this can present where maybe something happens to us, trauma or perceived trauma as a, as a child or anywhere throughout our life, but we may not even be aware of it now. We may have no conscious memory of it, but our body still holds on to the, the memory or the, um, like the imprint of the trauma. And so we may continue to respond in a way as if this trauma is still occurring uh, an example I use a lot is let's say we were scared of the neighbor's dog as a small child. And so let's say we're walking and then the dog would like rah, 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 and bark at us and um, maybe we're little. And so this is scary. And so we have this, this sort of trauma imprint or perceived trauma imprint. And then as an adult, maybe we have no recollection of this, but every time we see the same type of dog, we like shut down, we take another street where, you know, we get kind of agitated or, or weird and, and we're not sure why, because maybe that doesn't happen with any other type of dog. Um, and so it's a modality that works with going in and being able to access the body and touching into some of the sensations and some, some of what's happening in the physical 
realm, like below the area of conscious thought. And then we're able to go in and start to like move some of these patterns and allow some of these like stored loops to actually begin changing and begin shifting with like very, a very slow titrated approach is how they um, talk about it. And it's also a system of nervous system regulation. And I talk about this a lot. And I think there's a lot of talk, more talk about it now. And that could be just because I'm in this realm. So it's part of what I see a lot on social media of this sense of, of creating more regulation and more resiliency within our own nervous system. So this is also a modality that helps with those things. So it's not just about treating the symptoms of chronic stress, anxiety, and it's, it's about really getting into, um, I, I mean, I, I immediately went into muscle memory, but it, what your body knows that you might not consciously know. Yes. Muscle memory and also like nervous system memory. Um, yes. And what your body knows that you, you don't consciously know, and you may have a conscious memory of it. Um, or you may not, but that's the thing. It can still be there and it can still be like limiting our life force or affecting ways that we're relating with the world. And it can keep us in this state of like a switched on or a more highly activated state. And so we're responding things, not from like who we are as a person, but from stress or fear or the imprint of this past trauma. And we may not even know this is what's happening, but it may show up in our lives with um, like similar patterns around certain things. We may see things like that. And you specialize in sober and sober curious women. And that's because you have a personal journey of, of getting sober. Yes. And, and because like I was saying earlier, how influential this work was for me and, you know, I did recovery work, I did 12 step work and I'm still involved to some extent with those programs, but this somatic experiencing work and the ability to go in and actually feel and touch some of those things that actually had led me to, um, tried to self-medicate with alcohol in the first place. That's like a whole nother thing that just sheds so much light on, on our systems and really does enable us to be more of who we actually are. Because I think a lot of addiction is, you know, based on past trauma or based on not having an understanding or tools of how to handle, you know, long-term anxiety or chronic stress. And do you find that having all of these tools, you know, practicing all of these tools. Um, does that help without a, does that help minimize the transference of addiction? So if you've given up one, maybe you've moved to food or sweets or, um, uh, you know, an unhealthy lifestyle in some other way. I think so, because again, it sort of fills us out more of who we actually are and addresses the kind of the core issue of why the addiction was there in the first place versus just, okay, I'm going to drink eats bad. I'm going to stop drinking, but now I'm eating, you know, a whole bunch of ice cream or I'm shopping or a sex addiction or, or whatever to speak to your point. But I think when we go in and actually can tap into why do we, why, why are we looking outside of ourselves to feel better? Um, and we can get to a point where we can feel good within ourselves and feel, I don't like to really use the word safe in our bodies. Um, but that's, that's kind of what happens because for a lot of people due to this or that, or, you know, some kind of trauma, um, there's just this huge disconnection and there's no sense of safety in the physical form. And it can feel really daunting to even begin to go in and try to access like feeling anything. You know, I, I like to start with people notice when you feel good in your body, notice, you know, take a hot shower 
and take an extra five minutes and really notice like what are the sensations of standing under the warm water? And it's, it's hard for people to try to get there. It's hard for some people, for many of the women that I work with initially, it's a challenge and they're not quite sure of, you know, how do I feel good in my body? And so I think with this work and being able to bring some of that in where we can feel good and we have more access to our inner world, then we don't need the external substance. You know, maybe sometimes we'll want it. I certainly went through an ice cream bench um, during this quarantine, which luckily I'm out of <laughs> and my stomach feels better for it. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not this thing where like I need this other substance where for me before with alcohol, I really needed it to feel any kind of way of, you know, normal. What was my normal at the time, which like really wasn't great. So for women and well, individuals that are struggling right now, especially having spending so much time at home, um, may, they're dealing with a whole different level of stress may pertain to just being at home the, the whole time or uh, family stress or work stress. Um, what tips can you give them to kind of help them? Sure. Or their stress? Uh, yeah, it's a great question because I think now more than ever, we're all you know, if we look at it from this nervous system perspective, it's like we're all in this kind of sympathetic response state and ready to like respond to, to this threat, but we can't see it and we don't really know where it is and we can't leave. You know, we can't do our our flight response because we're or we've been on lockdown. I know things are starting to open up, which I think will relieve some of this tension greatly. Um, I think some of these practices like noticing when noticing when you do feel good. If you can access a little bit of that in your own body, or if anyone listening has the capacity to access a moment or a memory, if you have a time when you can think back, a recent time, maybe in the past couple months, of when you really felt like yourself, or when you really felt energized or calm, or whatever kind of sense helps you to feel more like yourself, if you can recall that and, and kind of engage your senses around it, and then notice like, oh, how does it feel in my body when I feel like myself? Um, that's a really nice place to start. There's also some tools that I like to use, like grounding. Um, and so just really taking a moment to notice your feet on the floor and taking a moment to notice if you're sitting in a chair, the support of the chair underneath your bottom. And if there's a back to the chair, how does it feel on your back to have this sense of, of support? And can you sink into that a little bit? And then the other tool that I like to use a lot with the grounding is this concept of visual orienting. And so you can let your eyes just be drawn to what they're naturally drawn to in the environment. And this also helps us to become present. And I like combining this with some of the grounding. because it's like it sort of brings us in and then we can let our eyes just, just go where they want to go. What do they feel pulled to look at? And instead of trying to really look at things, see what comes into your field of vision. And I automatically do this when I talk about it. I have my window open and there's a pink bougainvillea over there. And, you know, it's it's calming for the system to just let our eyes sort of go where they'd like to go. Um, so those things can be really helpful. Take time for yourself, whatever that is. Um, if you're in an environment with kids and a partner and you've got somebody who can take some of the load off sometimes, have that conversation with them. Of like, hey, I need 10 minutes to go outside and look at a tree or mm -hmm. whatever that is, go drink some water in a room by myself and turn the lights out. Um, but you have and, to take some of that stimulus off of your nervous system. I think it's very helpful. 
Yeah, I think otherwise we just continue to be in this state. And then they've been talking about this, like through some of the, the SETI, through the Somatic Experiencing Institute, where what we do and we don't address what's happening now, it's like we're setting ourselves up for more future like trauma as a as kind of a population. And so if we can begin to have a little bit of resilience and build a little resilience now by actually being present with what's happening, but also really taking wonderful care of ourselves, letting the system settle, it's like, then we can come back in and be like, okay, here's the reality of the situation. I'm homeschooling my kids. You know, I have, I have to make dinner. I have like 10 things to do, or I'm alone and I'm scared and I'm lonely. Like, but take that time, you know, in whatever ways work. And you can use those two techniques that I just described and play with those, but to just come back in a little bit and sort of hold the space of like, okay, this is uncomfortable, but I'm here. You know, does that make sense? It does. It does. And I deal with anxiety. So, and I work so hard when I feel myself getting anxious, Hmm. I work, I immediately, I can feel it in every muscle and my, even my bones, I can feel it me trying to stave off an anxiety attack. And it's just, that is what I'm focused on. And sometimes it can go for a week and then I'm exhausted and there's not really a recovery time of that. It doesn't feel like at all. It just feels like I'm waiting for the next one where I have to work to keep it from escalating. And sometimes it doesn't work and it of course escalates because I've let it build up and build up and build up. What do you do when you're trying to work on it? Like what do you do to, um, to try to keep it from escalating? What sort of tools do you use that you find helpful? I breathe. I do breathe. I try to cut out stimulus so I'm mm. trying, I don't, before I would try to drown it out with music or with TV or something that my brain would have to, what I thought my brain would have to uh, focus on other than what I'm feeling inside. And if I, if I ignore it, if I don't worry about it, or if I push my mind somewhere else, then it'll go away. Um, and that doesn't really, it's not, it, it work sometimes, but it's not very effective. I'm exhausted at the end of it. Right. Right. And, you know, for you, it may be a little bit of sort of like touching it and again, acknowledging that it's there, but also really noticing also areas where you have support or where you feel maybe slightly less of that anxiousness, particularly if it shows up. I know when I get anxiety, which I definitely still do, but it's, it's much better than it used to be much, much better, but I'll get like right here this like, and I know that sensation and I, I, it's not something that I want to go into and spend a lot of time with because it just sort of makes it worse. So I'll sort of hold or notice that it's there, but then also like, can I find another part of my body that feels more grounded or more fluid, less constricted? Um, and so that may be something to play with for you too. When you notice that coming on, just kind of be like, okay, I know what's happening here, but where do I feel a little bit more expansive, if anywhere? Or can I like take a minute and, and ground myself and kind of hold space for this, but not need to go so deep into it? Um, well, listening to you talk, I do need to work more on grounding. I don't ground the way that I, I should, and I don't center the way that I should. But I need to. I need to do that and take better care of myself because that's mine. I will not take care of myself at all. I will put myself completely last. I'll remember at 6 p.m., oh, I haven't eaten anything today. This is horrible. <laughs> and so I have to do that because that feeds into 
you Definitely. know, your nervous system. And if you're not giving it the proper nutrition and, and all of that, um, I am, I do want to ask about what sober curious means, if you could define Sure. That. Sure. Um, so it's a term that I've gotten more familiar with probably in the past year. And essentially it's, I always refer to this as women, but it could be men too. I just work with women primarily. Um, so it's someone who may not identify as like an alcoholic or may not identify as have been having a problem with alcohol, but who would like to try a curious lifestyle because they think maybe their life would be better without um, engaging in alcohol. Maybe they think they'd have more energy or maybe they're concerned they might have an issue. Um, maybe they, a lot of times women will come to me because they find that they're using alcohol like to sort of calm and settle themselves, um, but they'd like to find a different way. So they're like, well, can I, is there something else I could try? Or I, I take that aspect out and just see if I feel better. Um, so really just people that are curious about uh, exploring sobriety without it needing to be this, um, I don't know, like this big thing of addiction. Um, so it's kind of a nice, and I think the term gray area drinker could sort of slip in there. That's another term I've gotten more familiar with over the past year where maybe people who don't feel like they have a big problem with alcohol, but also feel like their lives would be better without it. So they'd like some support or community or just some other tools and techniques to help them um, to be a little bit calmer uh, as they you try to not engage in the, in the substance. And does it also help, um, kind of explore that path? Because, you know, there's several people that at the end of the day, they're like, oh, I just need a glass of wine. That's mm -hmm. what I need. So it helps them explore and kind of hone in different ways to yes. calm so that if they do go back to having a glass of wine at dinner or in a social, it's, a more enjoyable experience for them. It's not so much a calming effect. I mean, hopefully it's really individual for people, but if someone realizes that like the alcohol isn't filling the, the need that they want it to, or that it feels like it's starting to become dependent, um, then yes, hopefully being able to like explore and to really notice like how good you feel without alcohol, or I can, you know, only speak for myself really, um, like I feel so much better on so many levels, like my internal inflammation's down, my back doesn't hurt. I have way more energy. I sleep better, a bunch of things like this. So someone who's kind of curious and maybe a lot of people talk about sleep being really an issue. And then when they get rid of alcohol, they find they're sleeping better. And that's a big reason a lot of people don't go back to drinking because they're like, I can sleep. I sleep like a baby. Nothing's worth losing this. So it is a sort of a little like I don't know, like a peak or, or an experiment of like, let's try this lifestyle and just see how I feel. Do you work with um, women that are maybe struggling with with addictions other than alcohol? I do. I'm certainly open to it. I've been more focused on alcohol just because that's been my own path. And I feel like I can really relate to women. Um, but I'm starting to move into working a little bit more with I'm not even sure this is an addiction, but more with um, people who are kind of addicted to work and almost similar to what you were describing before, where they'll go the whole day and not eat. And then they're just kind of noticing like, this isn't how I want to live. I feel burnt out. I feel tired. Uh, I want to take better care of myself, but I'm not sure how to put that in. And um, I've been talking to more women like this lately. So I think I'll probably open up a program or just do some more one-on-one -on -one coaching or consulting um, in this realm because I'm seeing the need for it. Um, a lot. And I think especially with, with women and, and I'm in this entrepreneur world and I've had 
I've been working primarily with with men sort of business coaches for the past year. And they're fabulous and wonderful humans. Um, but I felt that there has been this sense, overarching sense in, in one of my larger entrepreneur communities of like, you've got to be, you've got to be going all the time. You've got to constantly be pushing and you've got to hustle and, you know, you need to have your time really well managed. And if you don't, you're probably wasting time or, and it's exhausting. And I would get mm -hmm. so like pent up and anxious around it of like, I'm not doing enough. And, um, and I just really realized like, pacing the system and particularly for women, because we don't, our hormonal clock isn't on this 24 hour clock solely because we have this infradian rhythm and we have, you know, this 28 day hormonal cycle. If we're within the ages of menstruation and we're not on birth control, we have this other natural rhythm that we really, if we can tap into that, it shows up as like, wait, we have surges of more like testosterone and with productivity and there's better times of this cycle to do certain things. And so tapping into things like that, as well as just learning to understand our own internal rhythms a bit more, um, it takes so much of the pressure off and allows us to then come from a place of like, Oh, I'm creative. I really like what I'm doing. I've been taking naps this, this past week. It's like my new thing. And, uh, and it's really great. And I'm, I think before I was always really scared that if I didn't just keep going and keep going, I would somehow lose my passion or my momentum or my drive. Like if I went to rest, I would suddenly turn into a really lazy person or, or I don't know, something. But I'm sort of like trying this out for myself and realizing, no, I come back and I feel better. And I, and I really want to go back and like mess around with my YouTube channel or whatever I'm doing. Um, so that's been a cool, like more of a recent awareness for me too. And so like feeling like I want to kind of tap into that with women as well, where maybe alcohol isn't as prevalent of a, of a thing, but this kind of drive and this addiction to like, and maybe it's not even an addiction, but I think for some people it is where we really, it's really hard to relax or to turn that off. Um, and that's a, a population I'd really like to work with more because I've seen the difference and myself. Well, it's def it's definitely a mind shift because I think that we're taught at a very early age, one of two things or both things, which is uh, menstruation is going to happen and it's just something you deal with. And second, you just, you don't talk about it and you ignore it, It's but you don't leverage it. You don't, right. you don't plan or, you know, I mean, you plan around it, you plan your vacation, you plan whatever around it, but you don't plan your productivity Right. And it just makes sense because so much sense. so much sense because, you know, if you're tired, you're tired. If you're exhausted, you're exhausted because of your horm your hormones and, you yeah. know, the, the shifting of it. And we get and you're right. We get such a push and then we get depleted. And wow, that's a new that's a whole new world. It's amazing. There's, I've been, this is an area I wish I had more time to spend on because it excites me so much. Like I really want to dig into all the research on hormones. Um, but Elisa Viti, she's a really great resource for this. She has a book called In the Flow um, and it's FLO. So I would recommend that if any of your li listeners are interested in this and want to learn more, she talks a lot about um, like what part she taught it's, and it's all from a biological perspective. It's not like woo woo or witch magic or anything. Um, it's, this is science, how our bodies work. Um, but she talks about like the different surges in hormones and how we can best support ourselves with exercise and with food and, you know, with productivity around work. So it's really cool. Cause we're not meant to get up and do the same workout every day. And I think a lot of us fall into that and that trap of like, not trap, but this, this, cause we're based, our society is based around the male 24 hour clock where, 
we get up, there's a surge of testosterone in the morning. So it's like, we're supposed to get up and, and some days maybe we do, but if we don't feel that way every day, it's not because we need to like kick ourselves in the butt or there's something wrong with us. And so there's this right. really cool, like power in understanding our biological cycles. Um, so that's like another piece that's sort of outside of the nervous system work, but it all, it all works gonna, together. I'm so glad I started following you because as soon as you really dive into that, I want to take part in that. That is very, very interesting. Oh, thanks for the push. That'll make me, cause I have a, yeah. I have access to a really good research database. <laughs> I'm like, but there's always so much to do. There's so much to do, but always. yeah, I would be really interested in learning that because I'm all about efficiency and I'm mm -hmm. all about leveraging. And I don't know why I never thought of it that way. We're never taught. We're never taught any of these things. And it's almost like it's, you know, when I've got some, so women friends that are real big on smashing the patriarchy and that's kind of the work they do is around this women power in that way, which is great. Um, I think we need it, but yeah, just basic biology, basic understanding of our neurological systems of how we hold on to stress and what we can do about it. I mean, imagine learning this stuff as a kid or as a young woman, it's like it's a whole different reality. I know. So I like to talk about it. <laughs> it's, Yes. It's like, I, why don't we know this? Why don't we know this? And I hope that you do. Now I'm just, now I'm just shooting off wish lists at you, but I hope <laughs> that you do like some sort of workshop or webinar. Cause I would be, be there. Absolutely. Would Especially be being able to identify, wait a minute. Cause I'm so in tune with what my body's telling me, I'm not going to sit there and try to beat down the cues with this logic or this deep-seated belief that if I give into that, then I'm somehow mm -hmm. weak or not performing. That alone, just the psychological stress, I would, yeah. would minimize. Big time. And that's part like of understanding how trauma works is one of the big ways that we can get this stuff kind of stuck into our system is because we do this cognitive override and because we have this neocortex because you look at animals in the wild and you know the deer's running 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 from the lion or whatever and then a lot and he's like all pumped up sympathetic sympathetic nervous system like chemicals chemicals you know that he needs to get away very appropriate um but then the lion gets busy chases something else and then the deer like kind of shakes it off and goes through this settling cycle and then he's like back to being a deer, hanging out. He doesn't hold on to this stress, you know, but humans will override it with our conscious brain. And it's, and then things get stuck. And then we, and then it like leads to more and more patterns of, of the override system making the choices um, versus like our system actually being full and being able to go through appropriate activation and settling. Um, but then when you kind of layer that with the hormonal piece, it's, yeah. It could really, uh, it could just be so much easier to be in our bodies and to be doing what we're doing and being inspired. Obviously you care a lot about your work. Um, but it's like, it's nice to be able to do it with less angst for me. It's been really nice. And I've right. had a lot of angst around my business like three, <laughs> three times here and there. It's like <laughs> one of those that I think I talk about it in one of my podcast episodes where I was just visualizing this green dragon of angst. Um, but I haven't seen him in a while. So so and it, there's and it's and it's it didn't hurt. You're not failing. It's not it doesn't have to be hard to be good. Yeah, it doesn't. And it's just so much nicer for our systems. And and this whole point of like being well regulated is so that we can come back into like our most 
I don't like to say authentic selves because I feel like that's really overused, but our most like essential selves and that we make choices from that place. And that's another exercise I like to give people is just to really notice what your yeses and your noes are in your body. And that helps to sort of gives us a, um, like a barometer as we go through, like, what's a yes, what's really a yes for me, you mm -hmm. know, and that could be around food, could be around clothes, um, and start really feeling that what's a yes and what's a no. And that helps us to like determine choices that we make from a place of like who we really are versus fear conditioning society says I have to work really hard to be successful. Um, you know, my period's a curse, whatever, like, <laughs> Yeah, that's clean. I should be sitting in the tent. I know. Oh. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then this, this goes a little bit deeper or maybe a lot deeper because I haven't experienced it, but this goes deeper than just being mindful. This is really, I can't explain it. It's really getting comfortable what I dub getting comfortable in your own skin and really trusting and valuing your body. Mm -hmm. I just fight against my body all the time. I'm like, ah, oh, stupid shoulder hurting. Hmm. I hate you. And it's like, wow, how about we be nicer to our joints and say, hi, how can I help you feel better? Yeah. <laughs> like, realize that like I get, we get angry at our bodies instead of listening because if they're not doing what we want them to do, do you think that that's based out of fear? Like, um, oh, we're scared of our maybe being older, scared of mortality, or if we're breaking down, then we're not. Probably, pro there's probably some aspect of that, especially as we age. Um, fear, and I think just disconnection in general. That whole sense of like, my body isn't safe, or mm. or maybe it's like. Um, kind of an ego death thing too of like, I can't control my body to do what I want because, you know, I have a shoulder injury or, or whatever it is. Um, and I think doing, I'm a big proponent of Qigong as well, which is like an awesome form of exercise for, like for joints. I do it a lot with my patients and they're well up into their nineties. I've been doing it every day and I feel it's a, um, it's like Tai Chi. I don't know if you've heard of Tai Chi. It's a, a, movement, a movement system out of China, but Qigong has no martial application. So it's just for health and healing. So it's wonderful. It's like very nice, it's very fluid. So you're, it's great like from a physiological perspective because you're pumping synovial fluid through your joints what as well that? as- you're, you're so, so smart. So, okay, <laughs> I need a dictionary. No, sorry. Google um, translation. <laughs> no, it's just the, um, so all of our joints have uh, synovial fluid in them. That's why like when people start talking about bone on bone and they need a knee replacement, um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you, I hear about that a lot yeah. <laughs> because of my work, but um, it's because there's no more cartilage and then there's typically less synovial fluid within the, within the joint capsule. So like these, some of these pumping motions, like with the Qigong, it's a lot of pumping and, and gentle um, movements. It actually helps to to pump more fluid to the joint and it helps to, it helps our lymphatic system as well. So it helps to like move lymph through the body, uh, which is really good for keeping, you know, a nice flow of clean blood and oxygenated blood and reducing toxins. Um, so it's a wonderful movement system. If you are having aches and pains and as you do get older, it's great for like a myriad of things and it's super calming. So it's also really nice for your How nervous you system. Spell that? Um, you could spell it Q I is the first word. And then the second word is gong G G O N G. Okay. 
And there's a lot of free videos on YouTube. Ooh. Little 20, you can do it for 20 minutes. Um, there's a guy I've been watching. I think his name's Lee something or other. Cause I've been teaching a little class every morning since we've been during the pandemic on zoom. And I'm, I'm like, God, I feel so much better from doing this Qigong every day. <laughs> it's like another thing that. How can people, how can people get on your, your teachings and your zooms and how can um, they? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm pretty active on Facebook. Um, I have a Facebook group called the self love project. So I'll post a lot of things there. And then you can also come and check out my website. It's kirbymethodconsulting.com. And I have a little freebie, which is a daily ritual. It's like a three steps to three pillars of creating a daily ritual. But that actually has a link to a Qigong video that I did out in Yosemite. And so it's one of my favorite movements. Just a little five minute video talks about some of the, you know, the Qigong posture and stance, but that's accessible for people. Um, yeah, probably those two places. I'm on Instagram too. I'm, I mean, I check my messages there and stuff, but I'm slightly less active. Facebook, I'm, I'm on there blabbing away pretty frequently. I could do a lot of lives and talk about this nervous system stuff and ways we can be calm and build resilience and um, be present in our bodies. Wow. Well, if there's one thing that you wanted to leave the audience with, what would that be? Today? Oh, just, just one thing. I feel like we've covered so much great stuff. Yeah. Um, I think just, I said this on another podcast too, I think really just knowing that you can always make changes. And, you know, I say this from having gone through a couple of really big shifts in my life with going back to college at age 30 and starting from scratch and going to community college. And it's like, you can do big things and getting sober when I was 40, like that was a big deal. It was hard, uh, but you can do it. Like you can really do whatever, if you can kind of create it and think about it. Um, don't be afraid to try new things or to step into something new and um, seek out support around it because there's so much support and the internet's wonderful. We have so many nice communities all around the globe. So if there's something that you need some support over, I, I would guarantee there's, you know, there's people out there that can offer that. So yeah, I mean, life is, life is really wonderful. So it's great to, to just show up for it. And however that, that looks or feels for you. So if you feel called to do something, then Heed the call. Heed the call. I love it. Well, thank you so much. This 40 minutes went pat went by. Well, we're at 38 and it went by so fast. It really did. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you to all the sponsors of the Embry podcast. Without you guys, we couldn't keep bringing you shows week after week. Special shout out to our co-producers, Jay Beam and T. Martin. You ladies are amazing and your support means the world to me. If you'd like to be a live audience member, you can find us at www.patreon.com forward slash You'll get to see and hear all of the interviews before they hit the airwaves, get access to Q&A and bonus content from and with our guests. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.